Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to take a bite out of the competition? Are you looking for ideas to make your business better? Welcome to the Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. Sponsored by Apple Capital Group. At the core of every successful business, you'll find people making a difference. And with each episode of The Core Business Show, we talk with those people, examine those ideas, and explore the strategies that make them special. Now, the host of The Core Business Show, Tim Jacquet. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Core Business Show. I'm Tim Jacquet, your host. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to a, you know, a national author and small business owner as well. Uh, we're going to talk about his book called The Go-Givers. Uh, if you'd like to join in the conversation, the you can call at 347-324-3460. Again, 347-324-3460. And we're going to welcome to the show Bob Berg. Bob, welcome to the program. Hi, Tim. Great to be with you. I guess to begin with, our uh, audience love to hear personal stories on business owners like yourself. Um, can you tell, if you don't mind, kind of tell us about yourself and how you got started, and how did you come to write this book? Yeah, the uh, I I actually began as a broadcaster. I was in radio sports for a, a local station where I grew up, and then uh, moved to uh, the Midwest where I was late night news anchor for a uh, very small ABC affiliate. Uh, I, I wasn't a particularly good newscaster. I could read the news, but I, I wasn't a newsy type of person back then. Uh, I was 24 mm-hmm. years old, didn't, didn't have a huge understanding of the news, and didn't really care. So it, was, it, it sort of didn't it didn't work out that way. I think I was too positive for the medium anyway. My idea of a good newscast opening would be something like, um, you know, good evening, everyone. I'm Bob Berg. In the news tonight. Everything's great. <laughs> we'll go to sleep. We'll let you know something comes up, and you know that that's not really uh, that's not really where it's at in the news business. So I, I quickly found myself graduating into sales. The only challenge was that I really knew nothing about sales. I mean, I intuitively knew the idea was to find ways to add value to your your prospects, but I didn't know how to go about it. So uh, fortunately, I, I very quickly came across a couple of books. One was. How to Master the Art of Selling by Tom Hopkins. The other was Zig Ziglar's Secrets of Closing the Sale and See You at the Top. And I just studied Zig and Tom Hopkins. Uh, you know, this is back 30 years ago. Uh, and right away, I mean, within weeks, my, my sales production went through the roof. Why? Well, because I had a system I could use. And I, I found that to the degree that you put a system in place, uh, when that system is based on the you know the core values that you have and that you run your life and your business by, you're going to be successful. And I, I see a system. I define a system as simply the process of predictably achieving a goal based on a logical and specific set of how-to principles. Uh, in other words, the key is predictability. If it's been proven that by doing A, you'll get the desired results of B, then all wow. you need to do is is A, and you're going to get those results. Um, eventually, I worked my way up to sales management of a company and then began speaking on the topic, and it, it kind of morphed, and, and uh, you know, I've been doing this for quite a while. The book that you were kind enough to mention, uh, The Go-Giver, that was really uh, it, it took the essence of, of a, a previous book called Endless Referrals, uh, which was my first uh, kind of real big book, uh, and then I, I decided to make a story out of it, just a, a business parable. 
but it's a fictional work based on a lot of, of truths, but fictional work. So I asked my good friend John David Mann, who's a much better storyteller and writer than I am, if he would be the lead writer in Storyteller. And, and he was kind enough to work with me on it, and he did the, the real heavy lifting. And, you know, it's become a book that has been very popular, selling close to 300,000 copies over the wow. you know the few years it's been out. And we've had a lot of fun with it. Well, it's a good good trait uh, to have to to you know come from one industry from broadcasting or communication. I know it's a lot easier you can communicate than going to sales because you see it takes a certain skill or certain mindset for someone to sell someone something. Well, I, I think you first and foremost have to have the the feeling in sales that you're there to serve the other person. See, I, I believe that the, the best salespeople um, – now, don't get me wrong. Great salespeople, they, have, they usually have a great product they're representing. They have a strong belief in their product. They have terrific product knowledge. They have great sales skills. They learn and they study them. Great salespeople do all this, but so do – average salespeople as well. So all those things, while they're very, very important, I don't think is the determining factor. I really think that what makes a great salesman great is that they understand this, what I call truth about selling, that when it comes right down to it, it isn't about you, and it isn't even about your product or service, as important as it is. It's really about the other person. And the, 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 the great salespeople have just a laser focus on providing value to others. That's why, you know, John David Mann and I both say that money is simply an echo of value. It's the thunder to value's lightning, which means nothing more than that the value must come first. And the money is simply a, a direct and natural result of the value you've provided. Wow, that's powerful. So if you talk about that particular value, and some people get lost in the numbers, uh, how as a to be laser-focused, how can you tell a salesperson, hey, how to keep the customer first, how to keep what you're trying to accomplish, uh, not the monetary, you might make a dollar, you might make 10000 how to keep from having that dollar uh distract you for what purpose is? Yeah, that's a great question because it, it's not that the money isn't important. It certainly is. It's not that numbers aren't important or measurement or goal. You know, what can't be measured, what's not measured isn't improved upon. All those things are very important. The key is focus, and that is for the focus to be on that other person. See, when the focus, when you're focusing on the numbers, when you're focusing on the commission, when you're focusing, the other person knows it. They can sense it, uh, either you know consciously or unconsciously, and they're going to be less likely to feel good about you, to what I call know, like, and trust you, and the chances are, are less that you're going to have that sale happen. On the other hand, when they can tell, and they can, that your focus is on them, uh, then it's a whole different story. Now, this is why we say, and, and here's you know the thing with with the go giver, and the, the the key of that book, the the major premise of that book, is simply that that shifting your focus, shifting your focus 
from getting to giving. And again, in this case, when we say giving, we mean constantly and consistently providing value to others. We don't mean giving things away or anything like that, no. Uh, that shifting your focus from, from you to the other person is not only a, you know, a nice way to live life, it's a very financially profitable way as well. And there's a lot of people who do understand this. And the, in fact, these are the people who, who adopted the book right away and, and bought so many of them to, to give out at their company and to prospects and to their customers and so forth because they get it. And a lot of people get it, that to the degree you take your focus off yourself and put it on serving others, that's the degree you're going to be successful. Wow. Let's kind of dive into that for a second about the premises of the book itself. I know you, you mentioned five uh, five areas, mm-hmm. uh, five laws. Can you talk about what are the five laws and how do you guys came around of those particular five laws? Sure. Well, the, the five laws themselves are the laws of value, compensation, influence, authenticity, and receptivity. When we talk about value, it's understanding that there's a difference between price and value. Price is a dollar figure. It's finite. It is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, uh, idea, that brings with it so much worth that someone will exchange their money for it and be ecstatic that they did while you make a very healthy profit. In other words, in a free market-based exchange, the very idea is that both parties come away from the exchange better off than they were before. It's sort of like this, a very quick example. Uh, Tim, let's say you hire an accountant to do your taxes, and Mm -hmm. the accountant charges you, we'll just say, $1,000. That's the price or the fee. We'll call that the price. But what is, what's the value he gives you in return? Well, let's say he saves you $5,000. Uh, he saves you 20 hours of work, and he provides you, he gives you the peace of mind of knowing that it was done correctly, and you're not going to get in trouble. So, so what he did is he gave you more in value than what he took in payment. Uh, so you win, you feel great, and of course he makes a very, very healthy profit. And that's the kind of relationship we want to have with anyone with whom we do business. We give them such a unique, uh, phenomenal, exceptional buying experience that they come away from it really feeling terrific. And of course we make a very, very healthy profit. So not only does everyone win, everyone wins big. Wow. And the, the law, I think you mentioned, of compensation? Yeah, well, the the law of compensation follows that because the law of compensation says your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So where law number one says to give more in value than you take in payment and and still make a healthy profit, law number two tells us, and this is important, that the more Mm -hmm. people whose lives you impact, the more people whose lives you add that kind of exceptional value to, the more money with which you'll be rewarded. Okay, we're going to take a break real quick, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about the last two, uh, the last three, rather, the influence and the uh, the other two. So we'll be back in a moment. Uh, you listen to The Core Business Show. You're listening to The Core Business Show, sponsored by Apple Capital Group. Apple Capital Group. 
Apple Capital Group in Jacksonville, Florida, is a commercial lender that specializes in asset-based loans, equipment leasing and financing, invoice financing, commercial real estate loans, and asset-based financing in the U.S. and Canada. Apple Capital Group is a direct lender that lends on their private equity investment portfolio. 90% of most loans are decided within two hours and vendor funding within 24 hours after documents are completed with a one-page application. No slow no's, just a quick decision and a fast yes. To get more information about lending from Apple Capital Group, call 866-611-7457. That's 866-611-7457 to speak with one of our loan specialists. Or visit us right now at applecapitalgroup.com. Welcome back to the core. Once again, here's Tim Chicane. Back with be back with Bob Berg. We're going to talk, uh, continue with the the other three. So, Bob, the on the other three items uh, regarding the go givers, can you talk about those three things? Um, yeah, the third law from the book, The Go Giver, is the law of influence. And the law of influence simply says that your your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Now, you know, this one sounds kind of counterintuitive, I guess. It's counterproductive at, at, at best and perhaps downright Pollyanna-ish at worst. I mean, your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Well, first, let's understand that, and let's qualify this because it's very important. When we say place other people's interests first, we're, we're not talking about being anybody's doormat or... Um, or uh, you know a martyr or self-sacrificial in any way, shape, or form. Not at all. Uh, it's that as as Joe, the protege in, in the Go Giver, as he was taught by by two of his mentors, uh, Ernesto and Sam. The golden rule of business is simply that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. Wow. And there's yeah, there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you and others than by, again, shifting your focus, putting other people's interests first, and, and, and determining how you can add value to them. You know, to get to that sense of uh, no like, and trust, you can always, you know, you you maybe think you build a rapport of a person, but Sometimes the customer, well, the client or the customer has some other thing uh, in mind. Say if you're a purchasing officer and you try to do that, but your objective is to get the best price and best product or whatever for this particular thing. And you, you maybe it's like dealing with poker. You don't know exactly what you, if you're making inroads with them or not. Sometimes they're stone faced. How can you, how do you know that you, you connect with them. Does that make sense? Because well, sometimes you really sense. don't know. Well, it makes great sense, and you don't always know. I mean, as you you become more experienced, you you can intuit more, and uh, you know by by practicing your your people skills and in in practicing reading people and so forth, you, you know you can you can improve your skill. But hey, you know there's some people <laughs> they would make great poker players. You know I'm the type of person <laughs> I wouldn't make a great poker player, so I'm always easy to read. It, different people, there's different things. The key is this: 
if you're if you're focused on that person and you're you know you're doing the right things in the in the biz, in the uh, rapport building process, the fact you know the fact is they probably are going to uh, feel good about you, know, like and trust you. Now that doesn't mean that they're going to you know that they're not going to negotiate on the price if they possibly can, because mm-hmm. people do different things and people are always looking for the best you know the the best price for the the most value. Uh, then it's up to you as to how much confidence do you have in being able to sell on value rather than try to compete on price alone? Unless you're Walmart, you're not really well off trying to compete on low price. When you compete on price, when you try and sell on price, you're a commodity. When you sell on value, you're a resource, and you're respected wow. more, and you're thought of more highly. Uh, but again, you know, different situations, uh, different contexts call for different, different actions. Is there anything that a person can do? Um, of course, they're going to read your book. Uh, any other resources you can direct them to can to help direct their skill in trying to influence uh, to make a better outcome? Well, there are great books out there on influence in the marketplace. Dr. Robert Cialdini's book, uh, uh, Influence, Science and uh, subtitled Science and Practice, is one of the best books on influence I've ever read. Uh, Dave Lacani's book on influence, a terrific book. There's many great ones out there. If people go to my, uh, well, if they go to my site at berg.com, B-U-R-G.com, they can download a chapter of my book and see if they like that. But more than that, they can go to my blog, and I've got a about 400 posts on uh, on uh, sales and influence and persuasion, and many of them are videos, some are audios, and some are, are just blogs, and I can go through those and, and hopefully get a lot of good out of them as well. But there are lots of resources aside from mine out there, and I, I'm an avid reader and always trying to, to learn from everyone. Okay. I think, uh, number four, um, the authenticity. Talk about that particularly. Yeah, the law of authenticity simply says the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. And in the story, uh, Deborah Davenport learned a, a very important lesson, and that is all the skills in the world, these sales skills, technical skills, people skills, as important as they are, and indeed, Tim, they, they are very, very important, they're all for naught if – you don't come at it from your true, authentic core. Uh, on the other hand, when you show up the same way every day as the same person, uh, day after day, week after week, month after month, people feel good about you. They're much more likely to to like you, to trust you, to respect you. People people want consistency. They want consistently, certainly from others. I think this goes back to the cave person days when, you know, for survival's sake, you needed to know that the uh, saber-toothed tiger or whatever, you know, that, that, that the same signals were, were going to be the same so you didn't get uh, eaten. But, you know, uh, consistency is important, and we live in an inconsistent world. So when someone shows up consistently as themselves, they really uh, they attract uh, people. Now, on the other hand, when when that's not the case, and when when people can sort of tell that you're you're not really representing your true self, uh, I think they tend to have less of a, a, a trust. Now, the interesting thing about this that I see is that often when someone does not really show up as themselves, 
it's not because they they want to necessarily fool people or because they are dishonest. You know, there are always those people that it's a big world, so there's all types, and some are very good at that, and they can get away with it for a while. But uh, no, the ones I'm talking about maybe do not come across authentically only because they don't realize that they have value to offer. So they have a little bit of a maybe a lack of confidence and don't feel that by being themselves they have enough to offer. Well, the thing is you are enough because for, for two reasons. I think as human beings we all have two types of value. One is intrinsic value just by just by being born. But the other is what I call market value. And those are the unique strengths that you bring to the marketplace, the ways in which you best provide value to others. We all have weaknesses. We all have strengths. And while there are some strengths we need to certainly shore up, uh, others we can kind of ignore, other weaknesses we can ignore, uh, some weaknesses we need to shore up, some weaknesses we have to turn into strengths. But but mostly we want to focus on our, our strengths. But in order to focus on them, we first have to know what they are. And because we're so close to ourselves emotionally, uh, often we we just don't know. You know, we may have a, a natural talent for something, or maybe we've put on those 10,000 hours of deliberate practice that, that Malcolm Gladwell talks about in Outliers, or Jeff Colvin talks about in Talent is Overrated, but for whatever reason, we that that particular thing is now so much a part of us, we just assume that everybody can do it. In fact, I can't tell you how many people I've mentored where I've, I've, they've said something or done something. I said, wow, that's, that's brilliant. And their response has been, oh, no, no, everybody knows that or everybody does it. And they weren't being falsely modest. They really thought that. They didn't realize that what they had was special. So that's why sometimes it takes someone who's not us. <laughs> it takes someone who's far enough away from emotionally to be able to help us see what it is we, we offer. In the story, in The Go-Giver, Deborah Davenport learned at the last minute by mistake the kind of value she brought to the market. There's no reason that that has to happen as a mistake. It's something we need to seek out consciously and determine. Wow. So, you know, today's society is a lot different. I mean, if we go back to reality TV and let's see if I can make this particular point, do you think today everything is really uh, is true differently? Because if in the past we can tell people who's authentic, today this whole generation of people, uh, if they're not dramatic enough for the person, they don't think. Uh, I'm not gonna say they're authentic, but for example, it's not like we're developing a culture now that if the person is not eccentric. Uh, not really dramatic. You don't know who actually you really do. Is this person this way or that person this way? I've seen some deals got, get closed with the dramatic person than the person who was just who they are. Does that make a sense? Well, I, I think mean, reality TV has, has come to the point of really just making reality kind of really strewed. I think that what we need to do as individuals is is not is not succumb to what society is uh, you know is is allowing or bringing us. Uh, we have to be able to control ourselves and our own thoughts and our own ways. And we need to, as Ayn Rand used to say, constantly check our premises and make sure we're not making major decisions based on very very limited information. 
and, and you know, false false ways of looking at things. So I think regardless of how the rest of, of uh, you know, how other people might might see uh, different people, well, well let's, say, let's look at politics. I mean, we know that much of the time the politician is lying, telling us one thing in order to get a vote. Um, now, we know that people... You know, they vote emotionally, people buy emotionally, people – but just because people do that doesn't mean you have to. So instead wow. of just looking what, at what the politician says, look at what their record is. Look at how they voted. Look at what their values are. Look at how – so, so yeah, is, is the world a certain way? Absolutely. Do we have to play that game and, and you know buy into it? No, not at all. We have to deal in reality. But at the same time, we don't have to allow ourselves to be fooled. Wow. And let's talk about the last one real quick, uh, your last law. Yeah, the law of receptivity. And, and this one simply says that the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. Uh, at the end of the story, the go-giver, uh, uh, the main mentor, uh, Pindar, asked his protege, Joe, to uh, breathe out and hold that breath to the count of 30. Well, Joe tried, but in a quick period of time, he was out of breath. And Pindar said, what's the matter? Joe can't do it. And Joe said, well, no, I can't just breathe out. I've got to breathe in as well. And Pindar said, uh, well, what if I, and he you know, jokingly said, what if I was to tell you that it's been medically proven that it's actually healthier to breathe out than it is to breathe in? Well, Joe laughed. He said, that's silly. He said, you got to do both. you got to breathe out and breathe in. Well, absolutely, and that's the key. Uh, you got to breathe. We breathe out. We breathe in. We don't just do one. And just like giving and receiving, or breathing out and breathing in, giving and receiving are simply two sides of the very same coin, and they work in tandem. Um, in fact, to focus on just one side of the equation while minimizing the other is really an exercise in, in futility. It takes both. Now, here's the thing. It's great to give. Well, again, when we say give, we're talking about giving value to others. It's great to give value to others. But it's also great to, and I should say, and it's also great to receive. And so what we need to do is focus on the giving part. Focus on giving and allow ourselves to receive. But remember, money is an echo of value. You must give first. You must provide value first and then allow yourself to participate in the receiving process. Wow. Do you think as a society we, you know, in the past it's always been the rule you give and you get. Uh what do you see we're in this Christmas season now, um in December people give a lot. Um, but then a few months later, people start to take. So do you think we're really changing as a society and not as giving you know, today than we were in the past, not helping out those who are less fortunate? Or you think this is kind of turning the tides again and we're going to start giving more uh, our time, our talent? I don't think it's a matter of more. I, we, we've always been a very giving society. Just watch what happens to when there's someone in need. People rally around and they, they, they get – now, of course, this, is, you know, this isn't really the, the, the topic of the book, so to speak, but just in terms of what you're talking about, we're a hugely charitable society. Now, of course, the more government um, tries to play the role of Santa Claus with everyone and tries to be the one that, that – you know, takes 
money from some and gives to others, well, that's obviously, you know, people have less than to be able to voluntarily give if it's being if more is being taken from them. But um, mm-hmm. no, you just look at anything. You look at this re- the recent, you know, the storm uh, in the Northeast. You look at any any kind of emergency, and uh, you know, uh, people give. Uh, we, we're a very very giving society, a very charitable society, and I don't think that's ever changed. And I, you know, I don't think it will. Um, but obviously, the more abundant a society we are, which is a, a result of free market economics, not not um uh not a big government dependency type of um uh, context uh the mm-hmm. more free people are the the more uh abundant society is and the more abundant society is the more charitable dollars are available to give to the less fortunate and that's the way it's supposed to be okay and uh in closing out uh the segment what do you want our listeners to leave with uh, when they actually uh, get this particular book? Any last comments that you might have you want to share and also give us your contact information as well? Well, there are five laws in the book, and Joe, the protege, is instructed that he needs to uh, apply every law that very day. So we're very big on taking action. In other words, we believe people should be both go-getters and go-givers, just not go-takers. Mm-hmm. And so so when you get the book, uh, follow it. Follow it. Although it's told in a fun-to-read story that only takes like an hour, hour and a half to read, follow the directions in it. And if you use all five laws, you can't help but being very, very successful. Uh, and again, people can come to Berg.com, B-U-R-G.com. They can download the uh, first chapter of a couple of my books and go to the blog where there are like 400 articles and so forth to uh, to uh, take advantage of. Wow. Well, Bob, thank you for coming on the program. I really appreciate it. And your website address again is? It's Berg.com, and Berg is B-U-R-G. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me on. I appreciate you. Thank you. Take care. Everybody, uh, thank you for listening. This is Tim Jacquet with The Core Business Show. Uh, you can download this episode on Blog Talk Radio uh, Live 360 and uh, also on some other outlets as well. Thank you for listening. Everybody have a great day. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. For a free quote on equipment leasing and financing, visit our website, applecapitalgroup.com. That's applecapitalgroup.com. And fill out the information to receive your free quote. We hope you'll join us for our next episode. And remember, you can always get to the core via iTunes. You'll find all our previous episodes there. Thanks again for listening to The Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet.